painting to photography, from beadwork to woodworking. KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University presents Artbeat. Artbeat highlights the work and accomplishments of local artists from in and around Winona. Support for Artbeat is made possible by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. What if you were told that storytelling is a practiced form of art many would associate with big comedy shows or a small campfire surrounded by close friends? That is considered a method of performance that uses culture, history, and various mythologies to gather a community of people together. Today on Artbeat, we invite you to sit with us once more from last week's guest, Sandbar Storytelling, with their host, Claire Murphy. So sit back and relax as we introduce to you the beauty of preserving cultural traditions and wild Irish tales from Sandbar Storytelling today on Artbeat. And um, what were the various topics that you spoke about during your event for those who couldn't make it or those who kind of want to refresh? Well, actually, I'm going to turn it back around because you were in my audience last night. What stood out for you? So we, you and I know that it was a night of wild Irish tales and it was a mix of mythology and folklore. But like, what stood out for you, Don? Um, a lot really stood out for stood out to me, like the fairies kind of stalking the stalking the priests and and how the two people were like fighting for days and it was bloody and it was screaming and one daughter was trying to. <laughs> I was trying to get them to stop fighting. And I, li- and I like the, what was it, the Scottish version? Yeah. The Scottish version was, seemed, to be, seemed to work out better because instead of one of them becoming more triumphant, it's more of let's develop a friendship and kind of has, has a little, little message at the end where friendship will always mean something, especially when, after, you, after a few days of killing each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good... That's a good summation. Absolutely. Uh, I'm glad that's what stood out to you. So for those of you listening, that's the story of Coo Cullen going in training at the Warrior School in Scotland under the Scythian warrior Scahawk, who she was considered to be the best warrior in the world at that time. And, and they, uh, yeah, they formed a friendship over hazelnuts. It's not the same as the English fairies, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no. Because no. in England, they have lots of stories about fairies that kind of bring you flowers. And in America, you've got amazing stories about fairies that, that flit around in multicolored dresses and grant you wishes. This does not happen in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I probably should say I think some of you it feels like a, a very sort of a crowd that's read a lot about Ireland or, or, or been to Ireland a lot have you heard much about the origin of fairies? no, no. no. so in brief I won't, I won't go into it too much but I'll happily talk more in the lobby but the fairies they say were once gods the old gods and goddesses of Ireland that lived above the land, and they were really tall. They were very strong, very beautiful. And we came, the Celts. We came from across Europe, and we yes, we were not immortal, but we had weapons made of iron. And they said they had no defense against that. There was a huge battle. And if, if I had three days with you, I could tell you the story of the battle. But suffice to say, they lost a big one. That's a storyteller's tool there. <laughs> <laughs> and as they were losing, they were actually being driven over the side of a cliff. And they looked up into the eyes of one of our poets, American, and they begged. 
they begged to, to exist. And, and he reached out and he said, you can stay. And he pulled them back up and as he did, he said, I'll give you half the island. Which they thought was a great deal. And then he said, you can have the underside of the island. <laughs> and you see, the deal was already made because he was offering it. And they could do nothing. So what they did do is they took their magic and they, they touched ices in the ground. And they opened up these, these circles. And those of you who have been to, to Ireland or to Wales, you'll know these kind of stone circles. There's circles of trees. There's circles of hedges. And that's usually a sign of a portal. And that's where they went down under the what they call the sheet. Uh, the, the banshee comes from this. They go under the ground into the sheet, into the meadows, and they come back sometimes. And uh, so this little tiny image we have of fairies, that's only one of their options. They can come back to this size, this size, that size. So, now you know. <laughs> <laughs> And also, you have a workshop today in about an hour. <laughs> um, so do you want to like elaborate on what's, what, what's going to be a part of the workshop? Sure. So it's only a two-hour workshop. So it's important to say that because it's a glimpse. It's a glimpse. It'd be like if you took a two-hour singing workshop. You know, it's, it's the beginning of looking at something. But what I like to do is I, I like to teach through play. So I like people to be having fun as they learn. And I also think it's easier to teach where people are doing, right? So they're, they're playing with stories. So over the next two hours, we're going to take a story that I'll give them and they're going to break it and reconstruct it and play with it and subvert it and, and look at the ways in which, because you know, you had said it earlier about people making it their own. You know, if people want to take what I do and make it their own, that's exactly what storytelling is, right? Because if you and I were to stand on stage and tell stories together, even if we were to tell the exact same story, say we were both to tell Cinderella, your version and my version would be completely different because as it goes through the lens of your body and your experience versus how it comes through my body and my experience makes it different. Some people are naturally funny. Some people love phrasing and language play. And so part of the work I do when I'm training people is to get them to figure out what is their style, not to train them to be like me because that doesn't, you know. The whole point with storytelling is to be authentic to how you speak, the art of oracy. And so getting people to witness that and recognize that how they speak is as valuable as, say, they might have someone in their head where they're like, oh, I'm not as good as so-and-so. And they compare themselves to another speaker, right? So the trick is, it's good to learn from great speakers and see what they're doing well, but it's really valuable to figure out what you're good at and then look at the areas that you want to develop. And so that's some of the things that I do in my workshop. That's really insightful, and I'm, and I'm hoping to, to get a glimpse of what, on what that'll be like. And um, do you think fish could swim in jello? I think with the way DNA adaptations are going, there is a strong possibility that fish, should they need to, would learn to swim in jello. Well, in Ireland, they used to say that it was that 3 a.m. was the most common time. And between 2 and 3 a.m. being that really dangerous time, because that was the time when most souls chose to leave the human body and make the passage over. And so we believed that that was the time when the doors opened. So that was the most dangerous time to be on the boat. Long, long ago, in a small village in County Clare, there was a priest. And to be fair, there were priests everywhere. <laughs> there was a priest in this village, and his job, of course, is a Roman Catholic priest. 
that was our that was our selection there in Ireland at the time. And of course, he had to do the mass on Sunday, right? I'm sure some of you some of you know that uh, mass on Sunday, and then he had six days free. <laughs> but to be fair, in those six days, his job was to go and look after his people, his parish, his villagers. And this particular priest was known for calling in on those who were sick and always being by the bedside of those who were dying. So that's what he did with the rest of his week. And there was a man, his name was O'Flaherty. And O'Flaherty, he had gotten sick many times. And many times he had been on death's door. When he was on death's door, the son of a flat, the young of a was sent to the priest's house. The priest would come clattering up in his horse and cart, and he would get in, and he would say those divine rites over the body. And O'Flaherty had lived all three times. <laughs> and the people started saying, that priest is really good. <laughs> <laughs> So, this one Saturday night in particular, our priest was in bed asleep, and over by the fire was the curate, you know, the young priest who was in training, didn't get a bed, just slept near the warm fire. And it was late, and suddenly there was this. And the priest gone. And he went to the door. And there was long O'Flaherty and he said, Oh, Father, Father, I'm so, I'm so, so sorry to uh, disturb you in the middle of the night, but my mammy said to tell you that my daddy's definitely going to die this time. <laughs> and the priest said, All right, all right, all right, go on. Go on away home, away home, tell your mother I'll be there as soon as I can. And the woman said, So the priest, he noticed. It was coming up about 3 o'clock in the morning. So he didn't want to do the journey alone. So he went into the kitchen and he just woke up the young man. <laughs> and the young man got up from the floor. And the two of them were putting on their vestments and all that. And they everything. And they got outside and they, they got the cart attached to the horse. And they climbed in. And you know, that horse had made that journey quite a few times. So as they got in... The horse just started, which is a very, actually, can you do that? He was gone. He was gone. I said, awesome. So nice, you can almost fall asleep to it, which is what happened. And the horse, and it took a moment. When the priest, the young priest, was asleep there on the shore, he just then stopped him in the, in the middle of the road in the, in the middle of the night. And the horse just ears went flat back. And so the older priest woke up the young man. And they looked and they leaned around the horse. And standing right in front of the horse, Dress all in black with a hood or some hat. They couldn't quite see his face, but they saw him open his coat, reach in, and pull out a fiddle <laughs> and a bow. And didn't he start to play? And he pulled such music from those strings. Music that was so sad, 
filled the night air and the two priests just started crying. And the man in black played. And as he played, he walked backwards. And every step that he took, the horse... What's going to happen to the good? 
Well, they go where we go. And suddenly, O'Farnity sat bolt upright, his eyes on the day of judgment. If the good people have one drop of red blood in their bodies, they will go where we go. And then he died. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be sure. Yeah. <laughs> the man in black is waiting. He said, well, I have your answer, but I, I don't think I understand it. Oh, that's all right, Father. I'm a lot older than you. Just tell me what you heard. You and your people have one drop of red blood in your bodies, you'll go where we go. That's it. One drop. That's all. He opened up his coat and on his belt was a knife. One drop. Huh? And he looked at the knife and he was not pleased, so he went again. And again, and again, twelve times he stabbed himself, twelve times he looked at the knife, and twelve times the liquid of the knife was not red, it was green. <laughs> it's not red, Father. And if it's not red, there's no peace for my people. And if there's no peace for mine, and the knife went up to the priest's throat, there's no peace for yours. If I see you or any of your kind on the roads of Ireland after dark, this is what you'll get. And he was gone. And the priest saw the young priest running towards him, and the two of them just got back into the horse and cart. And the horse galloped home. And they did not sleep that night. Um, so. If you were to host another event, I'm sure you have. Um, how can kind of how can fi- people find you online or keep track of where what's happening? So I generally don't host my own events, but people invite me to cool and interesting places. So the best way to find me is on my website, which is just my name. So it's ClaireMurphy.org, and I am also findable on the on the socials, which just my name Story Claire is on Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn. And so one thing I'm doing, which I will tell you about, but I haven't told that many people yet, but I know it's going to go out. I'm going to share it here on KQAM. It's for the month of May. I am going to spend 31 days doing an Imram. An Imram is an old Irish word, and it means wonder voyage. And I'm going to spend 31 days walking around Ireland and stopping in people's farms and fields and back gardens and barns and tell stories in the, in the old tradition. So I kind of won't be contactable or findable for the month of May, but after that, I'll be back out in the public world. So we'll be all want, waiting patiently. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. Happy to, happy to hear how that turns out. Well, now that you've been welcomed into Winona with open arms, what are your thoughts so far about the town? Well, I'm pretty biased because I already fell in love with Minnesota after spending some time in Minneapolis over the last few years. Because of it, because of Minnesotans' relationship to art and culture and they, how 
easily you all see it as an integral part of your world. You know, that's that's really not that common. Uh, so coming to Winona and on the way in, Taff Roberts was telling me about the Shakespeare Festival, about the Beethoven Festival, about this incredible, is it the MMAM, the, the museum down by the waterside? Oh yeah, the, Minis- uh, the Marine Ma- Art Museum. The Marine Art Museum. For, for so much to be in such a small place and... You know, I've already been taken out for great food twice and I've not even been here, you know, 24 hours. So I feel like Winona is a place of welcome and it's a place that values its artists. So that makes me feel like wanting to come back. Nice. And um, on a kind of scale of a one, two, to I don't know what, um, what are the chances of coming back here for another, for a future sandbar storytelling, either in the Winona area or the Minnesota area? I'd say given some of the stories Taff Roberts told me yesterday, uh, chances are high. So if it's one to, let's say, a T-Rex, we're getting closer to the T-Rex scale of coming back to Winona. Awesome. Thanks to Claire Murphy for joining us today on Artbeat. To check out the Sandbar Storytelling Fest, visit sandbarstorytellingfestival.org. And to keep up with Claire Murphy, visit claremurphy.org or her Instagram at StoryClaire with no spaces or capital letters. I'm Dylan Alzate, and for more talk about art or other similar events, tune into Artbeat Tuesdays at 12.30 p.m. right here at 89.5 KQAL. Artbeat is written and produced by KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University. Visit us on the web at kqal.org.